We know plastic waste is a massive problem, but do we know how plastic is affecting our health? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we explore how circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen. Rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll hear from entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our monthly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back. It's episode 82. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for checking us out. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Today, Maria Vesterbos tells us about the groundbreaking work of the Plastic Soup Foundation. Many of us are becoming increasingly aware of the amount of plastic in our lives, whether it's clothing and household textiles made from synthetic fibres like polyester, acrylic, lycra and so on, or the anti-crease finishers, flame retardants and other additives in those fibres. And of course, there's plastic packaging, the outer cases of phones and laptops, and much, much more. Plastic has many useful properties. It can be moulded into complex shapes, it's lightweight, flexible, durable and so on. But now we're realising that there are downsides to all this. What happens when plastic is discarded? and ends up causing pollution and harm to other living species. And also, how plastic and the chemicals it contains is affecting our health. We know plastic particles and microfibres are now found all around the world, and are contaminating our water and food. But what about our contact with plastics in our daily lives? They're in lots of personal care products, we wear them next to our skin, we eat food that's been wrapped in plastic. Maria Vesterbos explains why we need to understand much more about the impact of plastics on our health and how some of the organisations that exist to protect our health are, shamefully, looking the other way. Maria is an expert in mass communication and she's used her background as a science journalist, her 25 years experience working in TV and her intuition to inspire social change. In 2011, she set up Plastic Soup Foundation. With its first campaign, Beat the Microbead, the foundation succeeded in changing both the perceptions and use of microplastics by international businesses, local and national governments, consumers and NGOs. We hear how Maria found the sweet spot to engage people with making changes to their daily lives, including the Beat the Microbead app to help you check what's behind the product label. You'll notice a couple of places where we had to bleep out Maria's swear words in line with the clean content rating for this podcast. So let's get into the conversation with Maria Vesterbos and I'll catch up with you afterwards with what I learned from our conversation. So Maria, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Hi. Nice to be here. And perhaps we could start by asking you to tell us what the Plastic Soup Foundation is and what it aims to do. 
The Plastic Soup Foundation is an NGO um, and I did found the organization 11 years ago. And what we try to do is stop plastic pollution at the source. So we do, do not clean up beaches or the ocean. What we do is trying to stop um, uh, leakage to the environment of plastic. So what kind of things does that involve? Well, cosmetics, for example, we started uh, 10 years ago, we started Beat Microbeat, and that was about the little beads that are in um, personal care products. And in the, it took us 10 years, but now there are no beads anymore in Europe um, in cosmetics. We, 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 we did achieve um, that it's out of there, mm. that it's based out. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, that's a fantastic achievement. And so how did you go about building that campaign? Um, you know, how, how did you get started and build momentum? Well, we started we started with um, um, with saying to people that they were that the plastic soup was not a far away issue, not far from their bed, but that it's in the in the in the bathroom. So that taking a shower would mean that you would add plastic to the ocean, to the environment, to waterways, and um, telling people that was quite a shock. And at first we uh, reached out, especially to women, highly educated, 20, 49, that was the age group. They were very sensible for the, for the message. And um, they started asking um, uh, retailers to stop selling um, plastic with beads, of uh, cosmetics with beads in it. Mm. And so that's really interesting, the connection between what you're doing in your everyday life and then this this problem of the plastic soup and just before we go further for those who haven't heard of the you know the plastic soup problem um could you tell us a little bit about what that is uh, the plastic soup is uh, I, I i when i for the first time heard of the plastic soup it was as if i was uh, struck by lightning um, it's uh, it's about that plastic never um, breaks down, really. It breaks down, but in very, very, very small pieces. And nanoplastics and even smaller where you cannot see it anymore. Um, and, and, um, and during my lifetime, when I was a kid, I had um, um, a step which was made of wood. I had um, a little bike which was made of iron and steel. And hardly anything of it was plastic. And when somebody told me, um, a journalist, I, um, I asked to do some research about the problems of our time and which problems we did not or were very hard to solve. And when he told me about the plastic soup, as I told, I was stuck by lighting. I thought, so plastic never goes away. And um, under my watch, I did not notice that all that plastic ended up in um, waterways and in the ocean. Um, so there is a lot of plastic in the ocean now because it went there. Mm. Not on there, by the way. It's also in the air. Yeah, yeah. We're finding out it's it's everywhere, isn't it? Uh, embedded in in permafrost as it's um, sunk down over the over the um, the years and the decades, and so. Um, Let's talk about some of those issues. So as well as being in the ocean and lots of us will have seen the documentaries 
um, looking at how you know it ends up inside fissures. It ends up even making areas where fish can't, you know, bigger fish can't even swim through because it's attached to fishing lines and all that kind of stuff, making it impenetrable. So we've seen the sort of health problems that it's causing for creatures in the ocean. But there are lots of other issues starting to come to light about what happens when these plastics break down. Which ones do you think people need to know about and and what do they need to know? What happens with the fish or what happens with the bird like the uh, midways and the albatrosses living there? What's happening with them is happening with us. We are not different from any other species and we think we are, but we are not. So we have plastic um, in our blood. We have plastic in our lungs and you need to know that that has an effect. And not only because plastic is inert, so our um, 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 immune system um, starts attacking that plastic, but plastic does not respond. And then our immune system gets stressed and the cells explode. They're just like little bombs. Wow. And that um, 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 causes inflammation and probably it causes diseases like cancer. Um, 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 I, I, yeah, I, I, can, I can tell you terrible diseases and I can predict those, but let's not do that because you get very sad of that. And next to that, there are chemicals in all those plastics. And those chemicals, um, we already know for 30 years, I think at least that those chemicals are um, very bad for our um, health. But industry or governments both are not taking any measures against that. And that means we're talking about infertility, talking about autism, um, Parkinson, dementia, uh, ADHD. Let me not go on because, again, it will make you very sad. And we should stop adding so much chemicals in plastic next to the fact that we should not produce so much plastic. Mm. Yeah, I think those are are two really interesting issues. We've been hearing a lot about microfibers and we might come back to that and kind of um, nanoparticles. Um, But the immune system issue, again, it, you know, when you first hear about it, it seems counter, counter, intuitive doesn't it you you kind of imagine that if something's more or less inert then your immune system would sort of leave it alone if it's not causing a bigger harm but to then find out that actually that's not what happens and your immune system is sort of going into overdrive um, and the fact that it can't do anything about this imposter um, uh, substance and and chemical and, and you know Um, solid that's in your system um, then causes even more issues with your immune system is very interesting Um, and you know the chemicals it's kind of um, I've just been um, helping to to try and remove some asbestos from my parents house so we can have some work done Um, and um, you know I've, I've been through it before for my own houses and it's you know it's something where even when we knew in the 1980s that asbestos was a problem, even when that was out in the open, it was still legal to use it 
and it was being sold off cheap, so it ended up in all sorts of of extra places. And it's this this you know this discovery, as we find often with pharmaceuticals and so on, that after ten years, when the long term effects can be sp- studied, that's when we decide that actually this is harmful, um, and now we need to get it out of the system. But some things like um, plastics, particularly, there's just so much profit involved um, that the the funding of the resistance, just like with fossil fuels, the funding is is really powerful, isn't it? And it and it drowns out, tries to drown out voices like yours and Plastic Soup and lots of the other campaigners. Yeah, at the same time, if you make uh, if you compare it with asbestos, uh, plastic is an oil, so it's it's oil, and then it's a little bit more than oil. We added chemicals to it. So imagine you have oil in your blood. Mm. Of course, the immune system cannot beat oil. Even mm. we cannot. Look at a bird which is um, a caught in an oil spill and then imagine that you have that in your blood and in your lungs mm. and in your brains probably. So there's oil in your brains. Mm. Yeah, what? The f- so, you know, it's something that, call it by the name. Mm. And then it's even worse than asbestos. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's worse. It's just, and then the story comes about the profit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, I mean, my comparison was that even when the world started to realize that asbestos and lead and other things, there's still this kind of resistance to, um, you know, just ridding ourselves of it and, and waking up to, um, to the, the dangers. Um, and so let, let's come back to what about the um, microfibers? And you mentioned nanoplastics earlier on. Are there any specific issues that you want to highlight with those? Um, I would say that um, um, uh, about 20 years ago, we started making um, uh, our clothes, garments from uh, more and more from plastic. Right now, it's 69%. 69% polyester, and then um, I'm, I'm amongst that um, nylon and acrylic. Mm-hmm. Um, before 2030, that will be 80%. And the most shocking fact, I, 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 I think, is that in Holland, where we have less than 18 million people, we throw away 1 billion garments, pieces of garment a year. Wow. One billion a year. Wow. And we are 18 million people. And that's because you can wash Primark clothes. You can wash them five times. And then it's the new clothes of the emperor. Mm. And other brands have the same issue. It's made of a, such a bad quality. Um, that and the, and, the, and the yarn is so short and so weak that it breaks down uh, almost looking at it. And that's an exaggeration, of course. Um, So uh, because of that, um, our garment is uh, spreading or uh, entering the air, and then we breathe it in. And now we already know it's found by scientists in living lungs, in living Mm -hmm. people, and in dead people. And we know these very smart, very little plastic parts can get in between cells. 
So those garments probably, if they can, enter in our bloodways and damaging their whatever they do. I, I predict that it's not more than two years before we can say that inhaling your own garment makes you sick. We do know nylon has that effect. Mm. People that work in nylon factories have uh, problems with their lungs, but it could be that we all um, suffer from it. But two years from now, we will be sure or not. But I think, yes. Wow. Well, that's that's a new, um, new bit of information for me that... Um, you know, there's research emerging to say that workers in nylon factories who are in, inhaling the the fumes and the and the particles and so on are becoming sick. Um, so yeah, another another bit of of shocking news. Um, and just before we, um, well, I'd like to like to kind of know more about the campaigns that that you have on the go now. So we mentioned the micro beads. Um, so what what are you focusing on at the moment? What what would you like to change this week, next week? Well, we have this app, the Beat Microbeat app, mm -hmm. and um, it's almost downloaded somewhere between four hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred thousand people have the app already. They did send us three million over three million uh, labels of products. And we have to check that all by hand. So um, two people are working on that constantly. That's quite um, intense. Mm. Um, we counted, um, um, recently we counted thousands of products from very big multinationals to see if the claim that they are plastic-free was right. And they were not. Uh, nine out of ten uh, big brands of big multinationals are containing plastics. And then we talk solvable plastics, so-called biodegradable plastics, all kinds of plastics that are not forbidden yet. And what we try to tell the whole world is that plastic is, an, um, is a chemical and there should be rules for that. Mm. Plastic is not just something. I, I always say, and it's a little bit a, a, a strange uh, compare, compare, comparison, comparison, compare, comparison. Yeah, it's a little bit strange. But if if you believe in God, He would not, or she would not, on the eighth day, um, uh, invented plastic, because um, plastic is something that never goes away. It's an oil product. Why should you do that? The only thing that we added to the evolution, also the evolution of Darwin, in which I believe more, is plastic. Without humans, there would not be plastic. Mm. Yeah. And there's so much pushback from um, those in petrochemicals and fossil fuels to, to remind us what a wonder product is. And that would kind of be okay if it stayed as a product and stayed intact, but it's the problem that it, you know, it breaks down in fibers. Um, when fragments get into the ocean, it becomes a chemical carrier for all the, the additives and the, um, the colorings and the other toxic things that are in it. So if it, if it was sort of inert and stayed in one place so that we could get it back and recycle it and, you know, it, it 
it didn't disperse, that would kind of be okay. But that's not what happens, is it? There's there's so no. much dispersal as we're as we're finding out. No, that's not happening. Mm. So and all these different types of there are one hundred and forty thousand types of plastic all because of adding different chemicals to it or changing one molecule. So if you if you have um, a ban on BPA, you have BPF, you have BPS, you just change one molecule. It's all profit, profit over planet. Mm. And it doesn't matter who, who dies, but the, the, the big multinationals, they make one mistake, and that is that plastic does not has no um, the, for nobody is can escape mm. of plastic. So it doesn't matter if you are poor, living in the African desert, or you are a multinational thinking that you can escape in your rocket. Mm. Whatever you think, you cannot es- es- escape. Mm. You're not more, and you're not above the law. Mm things that you create yourself yeah yeah plastic doesn't care who you are you yeah. know how much money you have yeah just just like um climate change you know it's it's created by a relative few and yet it's affecting everybody around the world so so just to go back um a number of years to the beginning maria you talked about feeling like you've been struck by lightning when you when you heard about the problems of plastic so how did you come up with the idea for the plastic suit foundation well as i told you i um, no, I, I, no, as i told before i hired um, a journalist a young guy and i asked him to bring me um, uh, to bring me a list of problems of our age um our century and um and the solutions and two um things um stayed over or uh, that's how you say it in dutch but two problems um were there at the end and that was plastic soup and the bees and the bees i thought that's caused by human and uh, other people need to solve that but plastic soup, I thought, this is not true. This is impossible. And if this happened during my watch, I need to do something about it. I need to work on that, change my ways and change, um, yeah, t- take another course, leave my job and um, do something good. Mm. Take care of the world because that's what you need to do if you have the possibility, I think. Mm. So that that really was a, a complete lightning strike, wasn't it? Sort of um, the world telling you that you needed yeah. to do to make a, a a big impact here. And so you've talked about the um, the success with the so far with the micro beads, and that that's still going on with the with the app. And we can um, uh, send a a link out so that people can find out about the app and. And download that and help with the campaign. What else have you been proud of in those um, ten years or so, Maria? Well, we 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 started with telling the world about the fibers. I'm very proud of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2016, I said, I think there is like asbestos and um, um, uh, the um, hole in the ozone layer. Um, and other big issues of our time. Um, I thought if something changes or is an is, if there's something that changes 
our behavior than its health and the connection between plastic and health. So we started looking for ways to bring the health issue issue um, um, uh, to the front. And we succeeded in that. By now, there is an avalanche of scientists looking in the connection between plastic and health. And I'm very proud of the fact that we are part of that. We organized now two plastic health summits, one in 2019 and recently in October in 2021, we did it again. We reached out the second um, um, plastic health uh, summit. We reached 600 million people in the world and bringing the message of scientists because it's especially um, a place where scientists can tell the world what um, what's happening. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, we will do that again in May 2023 but now also aiming for solutions because I think we are, we are, it, the world is not doing fine. We are not doing fine. Everything escalates. So let's find ways to work together and to solve these terrible problems. Um, and I think we really are in a hurry because we don't have much time left. Mm. This is, it's, it's really, it's one minute before 12. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Very big thinkers of our time. Mm, I, I agree. And we all need to, to do whatever we can to push for change. And I'm really yeah. interested that you um, realise that connecting plastic and health could be the game changer in terms of getting people engaged. And do you see that that trend, that resonance, do you see that continuing to build or are people starting to think perhaps more about nature and so on? What do you see as the key driver for change? No, they are connected. It's One Health, it's Planet Boundaries. Um, so it's all connected. Mm -hmm. It's, um, um, I, I, yeah, people do respond on that. Big industry responds on it too. So we are getting, we are being approached more and more by uh, big retail, um, uh, big retailers, big industry that also realizes that it need that we need to change and we need to do it all together. I do think that the World Health Organization has a task in this and they don't do anything when it's about plastic and health. And I, um, I call upon them again to do something because I think it's almost a shame that they don't. Um, and in and and the the European Parliament and uh, the um, UNEP, they all it's now we are working on a plastic global treaty, but we need to take into account health and our health and the planet's health, and that's not in there yet. You know, it's more focused on the ocean because of big lobby of industry, and that should um, that should not be the case. We should focus on human health, animal health, um, the balance of the planet, um, and stop this excessive production of plastic and chemicals. Mm, that's interesting. And I need to be careful how I phrase this so I don't end up <laughs> being sued for libel. Um, but I remember, I think it was the film Super Size Me um, more than 10 years ago yeah. Um, yeah. about... Um, you know, obesity and fast food and the power of, of that lobby. Yeah. 
um, and hearing about the evidence presented to the World Health Organization that both sugar and saturated fats were the two big issues for human health. And the food lobby were, you know, obviously up in arms that their their ways of making things cheaper um, and more addictive were being criticised. And they, uh, particularly the American ones, and I think it was even the American government, threatened the WHO that they would pull the funding, and the American funding was probably half the WHO's budget, um, and said, you know, you can only have one of these, and the WHO chose saturated fat, and so all the problems of sugar and addiction um, and all the rest of it kind of got squashed for another um, 10 or 15 years because of the lobbying by the food industry. So, um, you know, I wonder if there's a similar thing um, stopping that story getting out and saying, you know, you need to focus on oceans um, and, um, you know, and all the usual stuff of we'll we'll deal with this. You don't have to worry about um, making a fuss or legislating or anything else. You know, we, we know it's a problem. We'll deal with it. And of course, nothing ever happens, does it? Well, but sure, sure it is the case, because after World War Two, we, we, we were trusting on industry to bring us on a higher level of living. And if the industry could grow, we would all get a better living. Mm. Like plastic, it's transparent. You see what you get. Um, it's hygienic. Uh, the world will be better and every every the, your standard of living will increase. Incredible how, how we will um, live a, a fruitful and a, a great life forever and ever and ever. And governments started believing in that in that dream, in that ultimate dream. And now, and, and so governments are listening to the industry. Industry is not listening to governments anymore. Mm. And now it's like, don't look up. We don't look up. We are not looking at, at that big mother that is um, approaching us and will and will end the, the, our wealth forever. Mm. Because if we don't have water and don't have food and don't have iron and whatever and don't cannot make chips anymore, so what are we going to do? Mm. Yeah, are we start, will we start fighting for for the little water that is left mm. in the end? Well, that's already been predicted by um, certainly I think the um, uh, the UN um, and maybe even the World Economic Forum that you know, kind of water wars um, is a is a clear risk on the horizon. And then we start drinking um, the water of the ocean. And how long will we do that? Because we can filter the salt out of it. That's not the issue. It's expensive and it will get cheap. But what then? Mm. What's the next thing? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's just this thing that there's always a new frontier, isn't there, to go and, go and extract something from. So... Coming back to the to the work that you've done, Maria, um, what what has surprised you along the way? Um, it sounds like you've covered some amazing ground. So, what have been the surprises, pleasant or otherwise, along the way? Well, what what I what I experienced is that one or two or three people can make a difference, and that you always think I cannot I cannot make a difference. It's uh, the world is too big. And I will never, I will never achieve that. But then if you just start, and of course, that's what I told some young guys this morning also, there's a little bit of luck and it's the, the right group of people. And it's like, 
and it's the time in which you live and it's a little bit of serendipity and it's uh, and it's keep on going don't hesitate don't be afraid keep up the spirit and it's all that together which makes that you can make a difference just um you and me mm. and and that's the most amazing thing that I am, that I experienced, that you, and I still, and I'm still incredibly grateful also for that. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I I think that should be so inspiring for everybody listening um, that, you know, even if you're just a solo campaigner or or, um, want to create something that's, that's better, there's nothing stopping you doing that um and um and just keep going i think that's brilliant advice and so in terms of helping people and businesses to reduce or eliminate um the plastic that they're using and maybe go circular so it doesn't it's ideally we eliminate it but um if you can't do that then how can then could you go circular what would be your top tip for those people yeah look at your grandmother don't make it so difficult. You know, there was soap and it was not in plastic and not half of the um, um, personal care product in the in the bottle is not plastic, was not plastic. There is so much knowledge in your own grandmother. There's so much what we did in different ways for thousands of years and we just did, um, we, we, we made it a mess in the last 70, 80 years. And that's nothing if you compare it with manhood. So let's just take a little step back, take a deep breath and change your ways. Also, also if you are an, a company, take a wooden pencil. Why should it all, or, or steel, why should it all be plastic? Change, of course, your computer is partly plastic and your phone, but a lot of the other stuff or your, your, your carpets or your, um, your bag or whatever, that doesn't need to be plastic. Mm. Your curtains, not. You can just, my house is, there's little plastic in my house, a lot of wood. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's great advice. And I've certainly been thinking about, um, you know, not buying any more plastic clothing, as in, you know, I'm wearing a um, yeah. polyester fleece. It might be might be good quality, um, and um, I've probably had it for at least ten years, but it's still plastic. And I'm thinking much more about the clothes that I wear next to my skin, um, and trying to prioritise natural fibres there instead of anything that's synthetic. So thank you, that's good advice, and. Um, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme, Maria? I would talk with Make a Change on Bali. Those young people, two brothers and a sister, they are working. Uh, they are working their butts off for a better for a better world. Um, uh, they already have one hundred beams in waterways in Bali, where they take out plastic, uh, recover it see what they can make of it, um, um, telling the message. They are very brave in, in expeditions where they show the Indonesian government that the river is very polluted and that somebody should take action on that. And they achieve a lot there. I think they are young people and, and they are uh, powerful in their future. 
um, and they are standing, they're taking a stand, they are fierce and proud and impressive. Mm. So make a change in Bali. Thank you. That sounds great. And I'll I'll definitely get in touch with them. And Maria, if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing in the world overnight, what would that be and why? Well, of course, plastic changing in biodegradable plastic or something that seems like plastic but is not. With the same qualities we um, we we like so much in it, uh, but then where it wears down, goes down, disappears, and where it's not affecting the world in such a way as it does now. Mm. So kind I of would a say an organic plastic. Yeah, a kind of a bio-based plastic that doesn't have all those chemicals and additives um, exactly. embedded in it that are going to escape later. So, yeah. yeah, and I think there are there are quite a few uh, entrepreneurs and bigger companies um, working on that. Um, though I guess, you know, it needs to, needs to ideally be made out of agricultural waste products, doesn't it? We can't afford to commit more land to, to growing um, plastics. Now um, you should have a look into Xampla, X-A-M-P-L-R, mm-hmm. where they made, they, it's like um, um, the web of a spider, and they um, worked on that. And there is a plastic that really completely breaks down, and it's an English, a British invention, mm-hmm. and it's a very impressive. Right. So, I think I might have got that on my podcast guest list for the future actually um, I but i will i will um, look them up and, and make sure so excellent thank you maria and how can people find out more about you and the plastic soup foundation and get in touch and download the app just go to plasticsoupfoundation.org and there you find uh, facebook twitter everything if you want to go specifically for beat microbeat, there's another site also. Go to beatmicrobeat.org. Um, it's uh, the same. You find the site there. Or go to your app store, Beat Microbeat. It's very easy. Download it. It's free for um, Android and Apple. Mm-hmm. And um, um, enjoy yourself when you are looking at labels and see what's in there. Mm. So beat microbead. Beat the microbead. Beat the microbead. Great stuff. And I'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. Maria, thank you very much. That was fascinating. Um, though obviously a bit a bit depressing with the size of the challenge. But um if we if we don't look up, um we don't see the size of the challenge and we don't get worried enough to actually do something about it and take action. So thank you. That was really inspiring. And um, yeah, lots lots of new information, even for, for me thinking I'm quite well informed. There was new stuff there that's worrying. So thank you very much. You thank you. Thank you, Catherine. I felt that Maria had a genius moment when she decided that the way to engage people with the plastic problem was through health issues and helping us realise that what we do in our bathrooms ends up adding to the problem of plastic particles everywhere. I'm seeing signs of a growing interest and concern about the health risks from plastics, though it's still quite niche and mainly among the younger generations. The work of Plastic Soup Foundation to further this conversation is having an important effect, 
as Maria said, there's now an avalanche of scientists looking at the connection between plastic and health. As Maria reminded us, there are several aspects to this problem. First, the plastic itself, especially because it doesn't break down. Many of us aren't aware that we eat, drink and breathe microplastics every single day. We now have evidence that plastic is inside us, in our blood, in our lungs, even in placentas. Secondly, there's the health impacts of the chemicals in the plastics, the additives, the colourants and so on. The Plastic Health Coalition warns that a number of these chemicals have been associated with serious health problems such as hormone-related cancers, infertility and neurodevelopment disorders like ADHD and autism. Third, when plastics and microplastics end up in the environment, they attract microorganisms, including harmful bacteria, pathogens. If microplastics containing these pathogens enter our body, they may increase our risk of infection. You can find out more about this at plastichealthcoalition.org. There's a link in the show notes. Reading up afterwards on the Plastic Health Foundation page on Maria's website, I was interested in an article by a leading scientist, Professor Dr Raymond Peters from Utrecht University, and he suggests that airborne microplastics could seriously harm human immune health. He explains what happens when our immune system encounters plastic and why that results in significant inflammation. And chronic inflammation is known to be a leading cause of diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma and diabetes. You might be shocked to learn that 99% of the world's population breathes air that exceeds World Health Organization pollution limits. And in cities especially, those pollutants include plastic particles. The Plastic Soup Foundation's work on cosmetic brands is seriously impressive, particularly the depth of analysis they're doing, helped by citizen science inputs from the Beat the Microbead app. I was appalled to see yet another example of greenwashing and a push for watered-down legislation that lets big corporates continue to make healthy profits, but threatens the health of us and our planet. I've included a link to the report Maria mentioned, showing that almost 9 out of 10 products from major cosmetic brands contain microplastics. Plastic Soup Foundation's website has a wealth of excellent information, backed up by scientists and aimed at helping us understand more about the problem and the practical solutions. A quick update from the Rethink Workroom. I finally finished section two of the draft manuscript for my next book, aimed at helping people make a solid business case for the circular economy. The next section is all about the circular economy solutions that help make things more affordable, accessible and engaging. And as I've already got hundreds of examples and stories to choose from, that section should hopefully be easier. I share many of those in my talks to businesses, academic groups and for the United Nations Circular Economy online course, which is starting again this August. I've included a link to that in the show notes. The book is taking up big chunks of time and I'm sorry that I haven't been able to send out any circular insights for the last few months. So that's it for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Maria Vesterbos, 
founder of the Plastic Soup Foundation and the Plastic Health Coalition, for taking the time to share a few insights from the groundbreaking work she's leading. And thank you, as always, for listening. You can find out much more about the campaigns and the issues by checking out the Plastic Soup Foundation website. Thanks also to Jacob Robinson for making this episode possible. And you can check out all the links we mentioned in the show notes at thecirculareconomypodcast.com. And if you're learning and being inspired by the brilliant people we talk to, please tell your friends and colleagues about us and do please consider taking a few minutes to leave a review. It all helps spread the word on the circular economy, and that means a lot to us. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen, through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives. Buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it, and making sure it has another life. Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. Email a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies, or for a market sector, or specific countries. Check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com, and every episode includes an interview transcript. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two, or buy a copy of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities, with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice and circular economy resources at rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. <music>